If you've got your um, Bibles with you, we're going to be in Romans 14. If you don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles in the pews for you. And again, we're on page 948. Um, today, uh, usually we just take a little section of the chapter. Today we're going to pretty much look at the whole chapter, so you probably want to get one of those out if you don't have a, a Bible with you and, and follow along. Those of you who are here with your electronics, you can pull us up on the... Um, on the version app, and you can follow along there as well for you techie people out there. And later, if, you've, uh, if you're dealing with an iPhone or iPad or iPod, you can actually subscribe and listen to the sermons online. If you, don't, if you don't know how to do that, talk with me. I can walk you through it later. But Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, Paul writes, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let, alone, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. What on earth does all of that have to do with me and with you? What does that have to do with anyone outside of the first century Rome? What's, what is that about? Well, we do have a potluck today, and that sermon is, or that message right there, the, the words that we read are an awful lot about what we eat and about what we drink and, and about what we share together. In fact, that, that message actually addresses church potlucks in the first century. They had potlucks all the way back then. They'd share meals together. We've got a potluck today, and everybody brings something. You guys are such good cooks. You know, it's just amazing to always see what you guys bring and to try some. I'm not, I'm not a very good cook. Sometimes I do my best. I try. I made dinner for my wife for Valentine's Day the other night. I did, I did okay. Okay. I tried, but um, I'm not so good at cooking. I am, I am pretty decent at shopping. So I went shopping this week, and I bought a couple things for the, uh, for the potluck. And I don't know if anybody wants to share what I brought. Um, Andy, it's your birthday. Andy Fluky's birthday today, by the way. Happy birthday, Andy. Andy, would you like to share what, what I bought for potluck today? I don't think I have enough for everybody. I brought T-bones for the, for the potluck today. Anyone else bring T-bones for the potluck today? I brought T-bones. I got two of them, one for me. And, uh, and Andy, I've got a grill back there ready to go if you're interested in the other one. If you want to give it away to somebody else, if you don't like T-bones, I don't know. Does anyone not like T-bones? How can anyone not like a T-bone? All right, fine. Some people don't like T-bones. Now, I've got to warn you, though, I got, these, I got a deal on these. I got a great deal on these T-bones. I got them down at the, uh, here's a picture of one of them. Look at, look at that. It's a beautiful cut of meat. Now, I, I did get a deal, though. I got them down at the uh, shrine. I got them down at the Temple of Artemis um, because uh, the other night, I don't know if you guys heard the noise down at the temple, but apparently it's New Moon Festival for the pagans. And uh, so down at the Temple of Artemis, you know where the, where the shrine prostitutes work down at the temple? They, um, they, they, they were apparently having a big New Moon Festival and they were carrying on, making all kinds of noise. And well, you know what temple prostitutes do. I don't have to explain what, what that's all about. Anyway... They also killed uh, a cow. I think it's cow. Yeah, it's cow. They killed a cow and, uh, and, and slaughtered it. And now, down at the market, they are selling the leftovers. 
And I was able to get this for quite a deal. Now, i got to warn you, I don't know if this matters to you. I, I don't care, but pagans place their hands on this cow, and they put their sins on this cow, and then they slaughtered this cow, and they did all kinds of pagany things around it. Um, but none of that really matters. And then I went down to the market, and I bought it, and my money that I spent now goes to support uh, the temple prostitutes. That, you don't have a problem with that? You okay with that? Because It doesn't bother me. It's not the sort of thing that gets in my way of my faith. I'll be fine with that. Now, you and I, as 21st century enlightened people, we kind of chuckle at that. And, and our notion is, you know, come on, really? It's just a hunk of meat. You know, all we see is dead cow, delicious dead cow. And we're okay with that. But for the first century Christians in Rome, this was a crisis of faith. This was something that really bothered them. See, a lot of them had come out of paganism, where worship was pagan worship. Worship was going to the temple of Artemis. Worship was participating in the orgies at the temple of Artemis and slaughtering a cow, laying your hands on it, sacrificing that to a false god. And then later, they would take the meat into the market and they would sell it. And Christians would get together and have their potlucks. And someone would say, where did that meat come from? Got that from the market. That's meat that has been sacrificed to idols. But since idols are nothing, really, since there's no such thing as an idol, since, since there is only one God, it really shouldn't bother you, should it? But it bothered some people. And this was a real struggle because these believers that had come out of paganism, they now believed in one God, one God who is holy, who is to be worshipped alone, that you are not to worship any other God, that there is only one sacrifice that you need, and that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And this was a struggle, that this meat had been worshipped, and that now they were going to consume it, that, that by purchasing it, they were supporting that. And the meat, the money was going to the temple. Could they really, in all good conscience, support false gods. That's the world that Romans 14 was written to. That was their reality. That was a real struggle for them. And just because we don't have a temple to Artemis down the road and we don't sell meat sacrificed to idols in our market, don't write this chapter off as having nothing to do with you and me. Because at the heart of this chapter, is an issue that we still have today. In fact, it's an issue that we will struggle with for eternity. The real issue is fellowship. The real issue of Romans chapter 14 is how do I get along with other Christians who drive me nuts? You're chuckling. Maybe someone drives you nuts? Don't point. How do you get along with other believers who drive you nuts. The key command, there is a command here. There is a key command, a command we still have to keep. The key command is in verse 1, you welcome them. You welcome those believers. You welcome each other. The word actually is the word for accept. You accept 
them. You accept them into your fellowship. You accept them as your brothers and sisters. You accept them as they are. And I want you to hear that with some real weight behind it. Because fellowship is that important. It is so important that we welcome one another, that we accept one another. It was important in the first century in Rome when the church was just starting, when you had Jews and Gentiles suddenly worshiping together for the first time in history. And it's important in a 21st century church where we're trying to build real community, real support for each other, real love for each other. Paul has written 13 chapters so far here in the letter to the Romans. And in those 13 chapters, he has told us how salvation works. We have learned some big words like justification, redemption, salvation, propitiation. We have delved into all of these very, very deep things. And now it comes down to this. Don't do anything to interrupt the fellowship. Don't do anything that's going to hurt someone else who wants to worship God. Don't do anything that will, wor- that will ruin the way that you worship together, the way you fellowship together, the way you support one another. Above all else, you need each other. How do you like your steak? You guys like it, you guys like it rare? Who likes their steak really rare? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, I like my steak fairly rare. I, I like it, you know, I want it dead, but I still want it to move just a little bit, you know. And does anyone like their steak well done? Does anybody... Really? You know, I had, I had a well-done steak one time at the beef house years ago. I wanted to just see what it was done, and, or how it was done, what it was like. And when it's done right, there is an incredible flavor to a well-done steak. You wouldn't think, I, was, I thought I was going to be eating like a charcoal briquette. It was actually really good. I, I enjoyed it. But, you know, when it comes down to it, whether you like it raw or whether you like it burned, it's still the same thing, right? It's, it's a big hunk of cow, right? You're still eating the same thing. It's just a matter of preference, right? It's just a matter of which do you prefer? What, what do you like it? How do you like the taste? It's not a matter that divides us. It's just a difference of opinion. It's a difference of taste. We're going to have those. Difference of opinion, a difference of taste, doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means that we are different, and we have to be okay with that. Did you hear what I just said? We are different... And we have to be okay with that. If you guys can do that, then I can quit preaching right now. And we can go eat here really soon. If I could just quit right there. Is that, no? Okay. Let me give you a little more. This is what Paul's really saying here about certain spiritual matters. What he's saying is that differences do not have to divide us. Differences don't have to divide us. That's exactly what this chapter is about. It's about differences of opinion. This chapter is not about doctrine. This chapter is not about the essentials of the faith. We talked about those in my Sunday school class today. We talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ as something that is of first importance. We all have to agree on the historic fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have to agree there. That has to be a starting place for us. We have to have agreement. That is of first importance. But what Paul is talking about here is a matter of opinions. It's a matter of of our differences. The, The word that he uses here is where we get the word dialogue. It's stuff that we can talk about. 
And maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't matter. It's a matter of dialogue. Talking them over is fine, but there's no reason to enforce agreement where it's not needed. You know, those essentials of faith, they are there to define who we are. Christians have certain essentials in their faith. Those non-essentials have to be kept in proper perspective. Again, verse 1, he says, As for the one who is weaker in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. You welcome that person, but not so that you can quarrel with them. Have you ever been invited to someone's house for an argument? Have you ever been invited over for an argument? I have. I don't like it. Don't invite me over for an argument. Invite me for cookies. Invite me for, you know, different kinds of cookies. I don't care. We'll just have cookies or, or coffee. It's got to be black coffee. I don't want any sugar. I don't want any cream in it. That's, that's where I'm going to take my stand. But don't invite me over for an argument. But people do. And apparently, people were going to church potlucks in the first century to those fellowship dinners, to those love feasts that they called them. They were going there to argue. And they were bringing in the meat that had been sacrificed to idols so that they could say, you're so weak. You, you won't eat this? It's just a dead cow. Why wouldn't you want to eat it? Those idols are nothing. They were doing this just to argue with each other. And apparently, Paul had to tell them, stop it. Just stop arguing with each other. So he gets to the very heart of it. Because really what they were doing is they were putting, God, they were putting their own opinions above God's truth. And in verse 4, Paul says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. You know, that, that guy that sits next to you in church, or that guy that sits on the other side of the of the auditorium. Maybe you don't like his politics. Maybe you don't like the way he eats his steak. What's that got to do with you? What does that have to do with you? Is, is he a servant of God? Yes. Then it is something that is between him and God. Don't you think that he and God can sort out those differences? He probably can. They probably don't need your help to help them sort those differences out. And if, if that guy needs straightening out, chances are you need straightening out. Don't let your differences divide you. Instead, Paul calls each one of us to take a long, hard look at ourselves. And instead of letting our differences divide us, instead of imposing our differences on other people, Paul calls us to take a look at ourselves and he says, let your convictions convict you. Let the things that you believe in, let those convictions you have, let them convict you. Paul goes on in verse 5, and he says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. This is really a continuation of the issue we found back in verse 2. Some people think it's okay to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Some th people think it's not okay to eat meat sacrificed to idols. And that's okay that we have that difference of opinion. Some people think it's okay to observe a holiday that maybe it's a pagan holiday. 
Maybe we're talking about Halloween here. Some people think it's okay to do that. Other people think it's not okay to do that. The important thing Paul says is let your convictions convict you and let other people worry about their own convictions. Can we do that? Give me a nod. If I can, can we do that? Can we let our, you guys, come on, talk with me here, work with me. Can we let ourselves be convicted by our own convictions and not worry about other people's? Let me tell you a story. I used to work for this prayer ministry. <laughs> Some of you are familiar with it. I used to work for a prayer ministry. And, uh, and there were times when well, we, would, we would actually work hard. A lot of people don't understand. Yeah, it was, it was hard work. The things that we had to organize, the things that we would do, and, you know, by about noon, we're ready to quit. Uh, so <laughs> every day in the office, well, at least once a week, we would go have a big meal together. We'd go share dinner, together, share lunch together, and, and we'd eat at some nice place. And it was always just a great chance for us just to fellowship. We needed those kind of times together, and so we would go eat. And I remember there was a guy who was uh, kind of partnering with the ministry, um, very well-known author, very well-known prayer ministry leader. This guy had writ- has written books on prayer, some books that we even have in our library. You know, this guy has written a lot about prayer. And I remember he came from a different background than us. Um, I mean, because you look at us from the Christian church, and we were all, this was a little too dressy to show up to the office. I mean, it was jeans and t-shirts and stuff like that when we went to work. There was nobody dressed up for the office there. And this guy came in every day with a suit and a tie on, okay? Very, very different background and just kind of strange. This guy would always show up with a suit and tie. He was from the Christian Reform Church, which um, has has some roots in the Dutch church. I'm just throwing the Dutch out there to give you a little perspective. So one day we were going to go out for lunch as a group, and he was already at the restaurant. He said, he called ahead. He said, hey, I'll be at the restaurant. I'll get a table for us. I will have everything ready. So we walk into the restaurant, and he's already there, sitting there in his suit, okay? Sitting there at the table where we're all guys from the prayer ministry, holy people, okay? We were holy men, and women, and we're going to be sitting there, and here is this man who has gotten us the table, and he's sitting there in his suit and tie, drinking a beer. <gasps> laugh a little bit. Give me a little bit of laugh. And I walked in thinking that, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm working for a prayer ministry. I'm a pretty holy person. I walk in, and I see this guy in the suit and tie. This is not a picture of him, by the way. This is, this, this is what I saw in my head. Because in my head, I saw a guy sitting there, big old mug of beer, and he's having a good time. And I just lost it. I couldn't figure this out. How? How is he doing? Doesn't he know we don't do that around here? We're, that's not the kind of people we are. We're not going to do Do I have to wear a suit if I want to drink a beer? Is that the key? How, what's the connection? How do I get away with that? Because I can't get away with that. We, we're not that kind of person. We're not that kind of church. And what was I going to tell him? What was I going to say to this man who is a very spiritual man, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, who has written books about prayer, who has led revivals? What am I going to say to this man? You can't do that. Or am I just going to realize that this is my hang-up? We could very easily divide over convictions that we hold. 
Convictions about the way we ought to vote. Convictions about the things we ought to eat or not eat. The things we ought to drink or not drink. The places we can spend our money and places we can't spend our money. We could easily divide over all of those things. What kind of music we ought to listen to. But what Paul seems to be saying to the individual, to the one person, what Paul seems to be saying to the individual is, if you find something convicting, if you are convinced of something, then you be convinced. Be convinced for yourselves that this is the way it ought to be or that's the way it ought to be. If in all good conscience you can't do that one thing, then don't do that one thing. Then live with your convictions and trust that if somebody sees it differently, they are also following their conscience too. Somehow we have to learn to be okay with that. We've got to learn to be okay with that. He says in verses 6 and 7, the one who observes the day honors it. Uh, the one who observes the day observes it to the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. I promise you this is not easy because we have our hang-ups. We have those things that we see and that, that we have to have. It's not easy, but it is necessary. It's necessary for fellowship. It's necessary for faithfulness to God. Fellowship with each other. Faithfulness to God. Those two things right there are what Paul calls us to keep in balance together and in ourselves. And really, what he's calling us to do is to value the things that God values. I had to say, there, there are a great number of beliefs, there are a great number of convictions that I have. There are some things that I am convicted about that are right for me or are wrong for me. There are some convictions that I hold very dearly that I will never bring up here. There are some convictions that I have, that I feel very convicted about, that I will never mention from this pulpit because they are my own convictions. They are things that are right for me or things that are wrong for me. And if I were to bring my own, now, one on one, if you and I are sharing a couple of steaks, or a, a cup of coffee, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, we might talk them out. We might have a little discussion. But from here, I am not going to bring up some of the things that I am convicted about. Because one of two things will happen. One, you'll go, wow, I never thought of it that way. I've been doing it wrong all this time. Brett's obviously a more holy man than I am. And, uh, you know, he's the preacher. I ought to listen to him. He's, he's obviously right. One, that might be your reaction. Or two, your reaction might be, wow, he's weird. Yeah, he's all hung up on that. Uh, what's, what's wrong with him? Uh, I've got those things. I've got those things. They don't belong in the pulpit. They don't belong here. Let me tell you, a lot of, a lot of church splits have happened because someone should have kept something to themselves. Can I get an amen? 
A lot of denominations are in existence today because somebody did not know the difference between opinion and doctrine. And they decided to split. They couldn't afford to do that in the first century. They couldn't afford to do that in first century Rome because if you did that in first century... Or the reason they couldn't do it in first century Rome is because Christians were being fed to the lions. I mean, you, you might end up down at the market. You know, you, you never knew. They couldn't afford to do that. They couldn't afford to be divided in first century Rome. What makes you think we can afford to be divided in 21st century America? We need each other. We need the fellowship. Value the things that God values. What does God value? What does God care about? Look at verse 13. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. I wish I could just stop reading right there. I wish that was it. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. What does God care about? You see it right there? God cares about you. God cares about you. God cares about every one of us. What did Jesus die for? Did Jesus die for the things that we can eat and drink? No. Jesus died for you. That's what God values. So if I know, if I know that by eating this steak that was sacrificed to idols, if I know that this might hurt your faith, can I, in all good conscience, can I in love eat this steak in front of you? No, I really, I really can't. That's why he goes on in verse 20, and he says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. What is the work of God? The work of God is the church. The work of God is bringing us together. The work of God is fellowship. Do not let anyone or anything destroy the fellowship. I, just, I was thinking about this as I was putting the sermon together today. As I was kind of looking over my notes, I, suddenly I remembered years ago I preached, at a, I preached a revival at a little church. A little church somewhere in this area. <laughs> I preached a revival, and I, I preached on uh, the kingdom commandments, of, or the, the kingdom parables of Jesus. And so I was preaching on the kingdom parables, and I preached on the parable of the mustard seed. Now, back then, we didn't have fancy screens like that where we could use visual aids like that. So I had to have a visual aid for my sermon on the mustard seed. So I went to the store, and I bought a little jar of mustard seed, and I brought that into the pulpit with me and I showed people what a mustard seed was from this little jar of mustard seeds from the spice aisle. And as I'm preaching, I noticed, this is a church, I really didn't know this church very well. And this is a church, I start noticing that all the people's, their eyes are open, their mouths are open, and they're all looking at one elder. They're all looking at one guy sitting on the front row and he's just staring at me. And I found out afterwards, afterwards they told me that it was a sin to bring food 
into the sanctuary. (laughs) It was a sin to bring mustard seed into the sanctuary. Now, they couldn't point to a verse in the Bible that said that, but apparently that one elder down front, like Jim right there, that one elder had told them that we don't do that here. And I didn't know any better. I don't know where that man is today, but I wish he was sitting here to see me carrying a steak around. (laughs) I'm not going to put any mustard seed on my steak, though. I do want to say this. I want to say something about what Paul is getting at in verse 16. Verse 16, Paul says, So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. There's always a weaker brother. There's always a weaker brother or a weaker sister who has a problem with something that we do. Right? Right? There's always someone who, well, that's going to hurt so-and-so. That, you know, we've got we to gotta pay attention to the weaker brother. We've got to pay attention to the weaker sister. And usually that weaker brother or sister... Usually they're fairly vocal. (laughs) They like to be heard. Paul says in verse 16, Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. There comes a time when the weaker brother or sister needs to grow up. There comes a time when the weaker brother or sister needs to get over it. That's what Paul is saying there. Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. If all of these little details, these little opinions, these little differences, if all of those little differences are holding someone back, then chances are that person has missed the point. He says in verse 17... For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Did you see that? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. How do we find righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? You know where that comes from? You know where we get righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? here. Fellowship builds righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about how we fellowship. It's about how we worship. It's about how we do this Christian thing together. So he says in verses 18 and 19, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. He says, let us pursue what makes for peace. Let us, let all of us, weak or strong, Jew or Gentile, whatever your conviction is, we're not here to pursue your convictions or your, your opinions. We're here to pursue, for, to pursue what makes for peace. We're going to be about peace. We're going to be about seeing each other more and more like Jesus. So whatever the issue, Whatever it is that we find ourselves convicted of, 
uh, whatever it is that others find themselves convicted of, I think there are a couple of questions that we have to keep in mind about our convictions, a couple of things that we have to keep in mind about ourselves, questions based on Romans chapter 14. First of all, whatever your conviction is, whatever the issue, you need to ask yourself a question. Whatever your issue is, can I do this? Can I believe this? Can I pursue this and still honor God? Can I do this in a way that honors the Lord? Can I eat this steak in a way that honors the Lord? Can I drink something in a way that honors the Lord? Can I spend my money here in a way that honors the Lord? Can I, with a clear conscience, honor God with those things? That's question number one. Question number two. Can I do this without holding someone else back from honoring God? Can I do it without holding someone else back? Could my actions cause someone to stumble? Could my actions keep them from honoring God? And we live in a world where it's all about me. Did you guys know that? (laughs) We live in a world where it's all about me. It's all about what I like. It's all about what I want. It's all about me. And, And that's the way the world is. It's about my freedom. It's about my preferences. It's about my choice. It's about my life. But what Romans has been showing us is it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. Chosen by God, called together. It's about us. Jew and Gentile. Weak and strong. Christ died for all, and we have to honor that. Verse 11 reminds us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to God. Some of those knees aren't going to want to bow on that day because those knees will have lived in rebellion. There are people who have lived their entire lives as atheists with no belief at all, with no faith in God. But on that day, they will bow because on that day there will be no doubt There will be no other plan. There will be no other God. There will only be one God. And on that day, they will bow. They may not like it, but they will bow. And every tongue will confess. The responsibility that I have to you is to to see to it that on that day, you willingly give yourself to God. That nothing that I do holds you back from confessing His name. That's fellowship. You ever wonder where that term comes from, by the way? Fellowship. That's a term we use a lot. And, you know, it's just, what does it mean? Fellowship. A, a fellowship is a, is a ship. You know, in, in the old days, you think about Columbus, right? What did Columbus have? Three ships. They were fellowships. There was the Nina, the Pinta, and the... Right. Fellowships traveled together. Fellowships took care of each other. If one of the ships suddenly ran into problems, you know what they would do? They would take parts from the other ship or they would all gather together. They would lash them together. They would support one another. If, if this ship broke a mast, the other ship might have a mast that they could spare and they would put that on there. They would share sails. They would, if they had to, they would break one ship down and put all of the parts into another ship to make sure that they all got there together, that everyone got there together. That is fellowship. Fellowship is not saying my opinion is more important than your faith. 
Fellowship is not saying that if I don't like the way they do it here, I'm going to find another church or start another church where they do do it the way I like it. Fellowship is saying we have a responsibility to each other. I have a responsibility to your righteousness, to your faith, to your peace, to your joy, that we lash ourselves together, that we get there as one. That is what we do. And that's why we need potlucks. (laughs) Because when we share a meal together, when we sit around a common table, when we laugh together, when we say, can you tell me where you got that recipe so that I can make this in my home? That's when we start sharing. That's what it's about. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's why there's a sweet, sweet spirit here. You guys do a wonderful job of this. Don't hear me yelling at you. Don't hear me telling you that, you're, that you've got it wrong. <laughs> you guys do a wonderful job of fellowshipping. And there's so many more people that need to experience this. There are people out there who are so alone, who are so lost, and they, they just don't have that kind of relationship. And I think what we've got is so special it needs to be shared. Let's stand together.